Empty the boat, lighten the load, passion and desire and hatred, and sail swiftly. Summer seems to change so easily into fall. We pull on warm clothes and try not to turn up the heat until the first of November. <coughs> but our own turning and changing and composing, composing, though invisible, seems more challenging than the change of seasons. But it need not be. Welcome in from the ten directions and a warm good morning to everyone. Good morning, morning Hajusinim. The main topic for today in so many dimensions is right speech. Right speech or speech itself is on my mind because I had a, a daughter call last night wanting to hear, to have me listen well, she talked about her new family. She has two new stepchildren. And also because I have right now a duty, which is a speaking duty, and it's not like a speaking duty giving a talk to you guys, but to one of our family members, our Sangha family members, who has acted arrogantly who has acted independently, not we, but me. It's not that I do not care greatly for them, I do. It gives me all the more reason to want to be able to talk to them in a straight way. They can take it. Can I do it? And so this week and next week and the week after, I would like to look at right speech. And also because we are going to have a person um, on October 12th who is going to actually be leading a one-day retreat, which is about the foundation of right speech where it comes from and how that foundation is within each of us when we're in touch, when we're embodied, and when we can express that. Yeah. We'll be talking about that a little later. In the meantime, I would like to um, share some notes, which I took actually this morning, about Sheila, S-I-L-A, which is part of the Eightfold Path, the Eightfold Path, freedom from suffering. And Sheila refers to such, uh, is a word in Sanskrit that could be also said to be 
morality to be ethics. And right speech, right action, and right livelihood are the three parts of that eightfold path, the morality part. And I uh, had the good fortune to spend time with Bhikkhu Bodhi, who wrote a little book on the uh, Noble Eightfold Path. And it's a really good one. Sometimes you have to really go a long way and read a lot and a lot. But he's put it in a beautiful nutshell. And the notes I took, I'd like to share with you before we actually look at some of the aspects of right speech and its corollary, corollary, its partner, listening. Listening. And Bhikkhu Bodhi says, the English word morality suggests a sense of obligation and constraint. Quite foreign to the Buddhist concept of Shiva. This connotation about obligation and, con and constraint probably comes uh, to the culture from a background of Western ethics and theism. Buddhism, with its non-theistic framework, that means we do not have a god in our Buddhist tradition, grounds its ethics not on the notion of obedience, but on that of harmony. This is quite beautiful, on the, on the notion of harmony. In fact, the commentaries explain the word shila by another word, samadana, meaning harmony or coordination or balancing. So our ethical attitude is about harmonizing, coordinating, and balancing. It's not obligatory, which takes it to a great spirit, I think. We could each think that we should be obliged to be harmonizing. Well, that's different than somebody outside putting it on us. We better, on, or it'll be a problem. Then there are four levels. At the social level, the principle of Shila helps to establish harmonious interpersonal relationships, welding the mass of differently constituted members of society with their own private interests and goals into a cohesive social order in which conflict, if not eliminated, is at least reduced. And it seems right now we're experiencing some problems with that, eh? <laughs> with the right speech of people, various people in our society. So that's the society level of Sheila. Then there's the psychological level of Sheila. And that brings harmony to the mind, protection from the inner split caused by guilt and remorse through our moral transgressions. So there's this effort at the psychological level to be harmonizing, balancing. Then there's the karmic level of cause and effect. If you want to know where you've been, look at this very moment. If you want to know where you will be, look at this very moment. 
So we begin to see, aha, whatever we do in each moment unfolds irrevocably. It's interesting. Sometimes we don't always see it immediately, a slap in the face, but it unfolds. And the last level, the fourth level, Sheila helps to establish the preliminary purification of the mind to be, so that the actual keeping of not to harm, but to cherish all life begins with our actions and our speech, but then it gets refined or purified when we meditate. Because there's, with the meditation, there's a real level of purity. We begin to see things. Yeah. So there are these four levels of Shila. And we could put them in a nutshell, abstinence, abstinence from the unwholesome and going toward the wholesome. And in essence, the Buddhist tradition has been said not to do harm, but to do good and to save all beings. So that's it in a nutshell. So the training in this kind of moral discipline governs our speech and our actions. And in terms of the capacity for verbal expression, says Bhikkhu Bodhi, and that's oral and written, has often been regarded as the distinguishing mark of the human species that we have control of our words and our actions. From this, we can appreciate to make the need to make this capacity the means to human excellence, rather than, as too often has been the case, the signs of human degradation. Degradation. So speech is the Eightfold Path is called the Noble Eightfold Path. So it's really each part of it about pointing to our own nobility with the injunction that it may be cultivated. So let's look just in, in a nutshell at speech. First of all, the first part that the, the Buddha said is abstaining from false speech truth-telling. The second is abstaining from slanderous speech. The third is abstaining from harsh speech. And the fourth is abstaining from idle chatter, which is speech that lacks purpose and depth. So you can see, as I have a I feel an obligation to speak with this member of our family, that it's not easy not to be a little harsh, <laughs> not to um, be really accurate, because truth-telling is about accuracy-telling, not exaggeration, yeah. and not to be slanderous, and not just talking around, but getting to the point. Yeah. 
Yesterday, Jen comes up to me while we were working outside, and she says, I have a truth to tell you. <laughs> That's what I call not idle chit-chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then let's look from um, the... So those are the first guidelines of the Buddha in right speech, in this moral speech, in this ethical speech. And then there were some guidelines about the spirit of using those things. If you know something that is truthful and unhelpful, don't say it. If you know something that is untruthful and helpful, don't say it. If you know something that is untruthful and unhelpful, well, what's the... Definitely don't say it. (laughs) But if you know something that is both truthful and helpful, wait for the right time. For receptivity, wait for the right time. And then it goes on, and this is not from um, the Buddha's words, but just some general characteristics that I picked up a few years ago when we are together having conversation and speech to speak from the heart, to listen from the heart, to be lean of expression and spontaneous. So, not to plan too much. A lot of times when there is a discussion, we don't hear everything because we start to plan our own response. So these are some general guidelines about speech that we're going to be exploring in, in detail in the coming uh, few weeks. But I want to share with you the sort of counterpart of speech, which is listening. And in this um, chanting and recitation book from Plum Village, um, Thich Nhat Hanh offers uh, invoking deep listening uh, from us through talking about the bodhisattva of great compassion. In our tradition, Kwansiyam Posel, other in Sanskrit, Avokateshvara, Kanan, many names for this bodhisattva. It's also the name for the innate compassion which is within each of us. Sometimes it needs to be watered and nurtured, but it's always there. And so this invocation of listening is about really coming not from some stone statue called Quansim Posel, but an invocation from our own eight consciousness, innate consciousness and compassion. So just let yourself settle for a moment. It's always good to get in touch with your body and your breath and let things be touched by your body rather than just your mind. We invoke your name, Avalokiteshvara, 
We aspire to learn your way of listening in order to help relieve the suffering in the world. You know how to listen in order to understand. We invoke your name in order to practice listening with all our attention and open-heartedness. We will sit and listen without any prejudice. We will sit and listen without judging or reacting. We will sit and listen to or in order to understand. We will sit and listen so attentively that we will be able to hear what the other person is saying and also what is being left unsaid. We know that just by listening deeply, we already alleviate a great deal of pain and suffering in the other person. And how powerful if we could also do this kind of listening for ourselves. 